Hello, hello. It's been a while. The NBA bubble playoffs have been crazy. I'm recording this podcast, the Sly Hooper podcast, in case you have forgotten, because it has been a while since I've released an episode, but I'm recording this in my perfected makeshift studio closet recording booth. Sort of ghetto, but as long as I can get the echoes out of my newscasts for my real job, then, you know, it's all good. Coming fresh off of work, recording this podcast, I'm an overnight shift guy, and let's just get right into it. Let's talk about upset, arguably, of the playoffs and arguably in NBA history. So, it is 3 o'clock on a Wednesday morning. And just a few hours removed from the really just, it it was a shocking upset, the Clippers and Nuggets series. Clippers were up three games to one against the Nuggets. They had a 16-point lead at halftime in game five. They choked it away. Game six, same thing happens. They're up 16 at one point, and then Denver just goes on a crazy run to get into the penalty early and start making free throws and getting back into the game. Next thing you know, we're in a game seven, and I wasn't shocked at the fact that the Nuggets won. As a matter of fact, I had an inkling that the Nuggets would win. I tweeted last night. I was just like, look, Jokic, just go nuts because I'm sick of this Clippers team. Because I'm someone who picked the Clippers to win the title this year, and I'm not mad because, you know, my prediction was wrong, even though inevitably people get roasted for wrong predictions. I was just mad at this talented team that lacked obvious chemistry all year, and the fact that for stretches they look like the most dominant team in the NBA with everybody just switching everything and everybody hitting their shots, but... That didn't happen, and the Nuggets, first of all, before I get into the Clippers, I want to give the Nuggets credit, okay, and I have been a big Jokic fan. I was a big Jokic fan since his rookie year when he started connecting with Kenneth Fareed, who was on the Nuggets at the time, with on lobs, and he would just throw these sublime passes just casually with his left hand. I have always been a big Jokic guy. When they moved on from Nurkic, I was really excited because I wanted to see how this, how the Denver Nuggets franchise would move forward with Jokic as their starting franchise center. And man, Jokic was just unbelievable in this series. Just absolutely unbelievable. He's been unbelievable all playoffs. And as a matter of fact, if you look at his in postseason, his short postseason career already, he has just put up some ridiculous dominant numbers. But game seven, he drops a 16 point, 22 rebound, 13 assist, triple double. And yes, while he didn't score a lot, Murray did a lot of the scoring. Jokic was just picking the Clippers apart. No matter what defense they threw at him, Doc Rivers tried to double-team Jokic, which is just a death sentence because if you get Jokic in a four-on-three situation or a three-on-two situation, 
you know, everybody was always talking about during the Warriors era, like Draymond Green's passing on the short roll and being in a four on three after defenses would trap Steph out at half court. But Jokic being in that situation is like that on steroids. And Jokic just picked the Clippers apart. He gave Zubach the work. He gave Montrez Harrell the work, a smaller Montrez Harrell. Gave Paul George and Kawhi Leonard the work sometimes. And he would just keep hitting these ridiculous these ridiculous one-leg shuffled shots that he, by the way, he makes these shots regularly. Jokic, I have watched a lot of Jokic. It, it, Denver is one of the teams that I have watched over the last few years because I like all their players. One of my first bouts with NBA Twitter, by the way, and not to go on a side tangent, one of my first bouts with NBA Twitter was when Adrian Wardronowski announced at the beginning of the 2017-18 season that the Nuggets extended Gary Harris and everybody was flipping out and trashing Gary Harris. And I was basically like, look, if you think this contract is bad, you might have watched like two Nuggets games. Now, my take back then might have been a little bit, and looking back on it in retrospect, might have been a little bit too strong, but I still stand by it. I think Gary Harris is a good player, even though his three-point percentage has somehow gone down. But Jokic, he has always made these crazy shots. He has one of the best touches I have ever seen from a basketball player. It's so nonchalant, but somehow smooth at the same time. The guy is just one of the most intelligent basketball players already that I have ever watched. He is clearly the best passing big man of all. He is clearly the best passing big man of all time. I don't care what Mark Jackson says, and he was on one during the broadcast saying dismissing Jokic and just saying Bill Walton and Will Chamberlain look first of all Will Chamberlain was basically hunting assist and I don't have to mention the era that he was playing in but Walton yes great all-time great passer Arvita Sabonis who really most of us have only watched on grainy YouTube footage at this point especially if you're my age great passer Jokic is easily the best passing big man of all time. It's not close. I, me personally, I didn't think I don't think it, it has been a debate for a few years now. Not only can Jokic make every pass in the book, he can do it from the block, he can do it from the elbow. He brings up the damn ball as a point guard. He could do dribble handoffs. He hits cutters. It, it's incredible the passing package that this guy has. And he took the Clippers to the woodshed. And he was the best player in that series. You can easily say that. And this is with Kawhi Leonard, who just came off of a ridiculous playoff run last year. And Jokic just took a sledgehammer to the Clippers' playoff hopes. And now they're going to be playing the Lakers in what is going to be a fun series because Anthony Davis and Jokic are two of the best bigs in the game. And... A few more things about Jokic before I move on to the rest of the Denver squad because I have liked how they drafted. I liked the players that they have signed. I have always been a big fan of Michael Malone as a coach. I thought he got a raw deal in Sacramento when the Kings started 9-6, and six, which was the best start in their franchise history in like 5,500 years. And then they fired him because DeMarcus Cousins got meningitis and they started losing games. I've just been a really big fan of the Nuggets' top-down ownership organi- ownership front office 
and now the, some of their front office people are moving on to greener pastures, getting bigger jobs. We have said it for years that they have a bright future. And like Mike Breen said in the broadcast, the future is here now. But back to Jokic. I have to say this one thing because, as everybody in the world knows, I am a Sixer fan. And I thought last year, I thought the Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic debate, who was the best center in the NBA, I thought it was Joel Embiid. And I was more like, okay, I'm 60-40 on it because I love Jokic, but also I love Embiid, and I loved Embiid since Kansas. So last year, Embiid averages 27.5 and 13 and finishes fourth for Defensive Player of the Year, and I thought he should have been first team last year, but a lot of people loved Jokic and put him first team. I disagree with it. Strongly might might be an exaggerated form of my disagreement or an exaggerated level of my my disagreement but I really thought Embiid should have been first team and not Jokic and I firmly believe that but you know styles make fights and if people liked Jokic better than Embiid because they like the offensive package then fine I just like that Embiid while yes he might be a little bit overrated offensively and is kind of bored to show this past year his defense was incredible and he finished fourth in defensive player of the year for voting for defensive player of the year so I figured okay I would take that over what may be an all-time great offensive center but the debate right now at least for this year is over Nikola Jokic is the best center in the NBA I think he's a top seven to nine player it's always weird doing these oh, this guy's a top 10 player. Oh, this guy's playing like a top 10 player this year because one, are you judging based solely off of this year or are you judging over the last couple of years? Are you judging off a playoff performance, blah, blah, blah. But I really do think Nikola Jokic has taken the next leap into becoming a top seven player in the Luka Doncic, LeBron James, James Harden. Well, TBD on that one after after this really embarrassing playoff run. But, you know, the Tier 1 franchise players, and I always had Jokic in the Tier 1 category. I do rankings a little bit differently. Yes, I do have a top 10. Yeah, I I do have a top 10 vaguely and, you know, top 15, 20. And I'm sure I can map it out in more detail. But I look at things in more in tiers, and Jokic has always been a Tier 1 franchise player to me. Basically, can I figure out a way to win a championship with this player and how can I build the proper roster around him and the Nuggets built the proper roster around Jokic there might be a little they might be a little bit thin in terms of two-way talent but in turn on offense they got the perfect compliments I mean Jamal Murray especially when he's on his hot streak and then obviously you know Michael Porter Jr. is starting to come into his own they didn't even have Will Barton but Monte Morris is solid Paul Millsap after looking like he was a corpse basically for most of these playoffs saved the Nuggets in game five especially after you know Marcus Morris who acts like a tough guy all the time was just talking a whole bunch of shit to Paul Millsap and got Paul Millsap going um they have a lot of good players around Jokic maybe not as much two-way depth but but man, the Nuggets have really just built a really, they have done a great job. As a Sixer fan, and I'm sure a little bit if you're a Bucks fan, 
watching how the Nuggets built around their franchise player, watching how smart teams have built around their franchise players, trying to be innovative, trying to figure out ways to be ahead of the curve so you can compete for a championship. I'm a little bit jealous because, you know, I'm watching my Sixers, you know, put 1,000 power forwards and ball stoppers around Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And you're just sitting here like, you know, what the hell? But Man, shout out to Denver. I love this team. I've always loved Jokic. And by the way, going back to Gary Harris, Gary Harris is also probably the main reason that the Nuggets are still here. Because while Jokic has been the while Jokic has been was the best player in this series, and then Jamal Murray was the best player in the Utah series, Gary Harris coming back in game six against Utah was huge. Because while he was still rusty and was probably he was playing like 25 minutes a game on average in game six and game seven together in the first round. Defensively, that was a huge boost for the Nuggets because they had to play a lot of Michael Porter Jr. who was getting hunted all the time. They then they then you okay you take Porter out you put in Torrey Craig he's not really an offensive threat aside from cutting in the occasional spot up three and then Monte Morris. Yes, he can attack a closeout. Yes, he could set the table up as a point guard. But are you really trying to, you know, give the ball to Monte Morris and be like, okay, um, go get it? Um, also a little bit small defensively. Gary Harris coming back boosted the Nuggets defensively. He really helped out in guarding Donovan Mitchell, even though Donovan Mitchell was spectacular. And then in this series, Gary Harris's minutes ramped up, and he was just putting, as Kyle Newbeck of Philly Voice said on Twitter, Gary Harris was just putting dudes in jail the entire series. And I think that changed. That Honestly, Gary Harris coming back in Game 6 changed the tides for Denver. I think that was the driving force. And then just the resilience of this team, being the only team in NBA history to come back from a 3-1 series deficit in back-to-back series, that is absolutely absurd. And now you have to wonder, just one, how much confidence this gives a young team. And everybody wants to talk about experience. It's a pretty good learning experience when you're coming back from 3-1 deficits all the damn time. And... You know, you would hope as a Denver fan, you didn't wouldn't have to be down 16 to get to that point all the time. But, you know, that's how it happens sometimes. And the Nuggets have done a great job. They're very well coached. They have a lot of fun players that I like. Jokic is just one of the more lovable personalities in the NBA. And, yeah, they just took a sledgehammer to the Clippers, like I said earlier. And Jokic was absolutely the best player on the court in this series he has elevated himself as into the upper upper echelon of the tier one franchise players that I was talking about he was already a tier one like I was saying but he's upper he's he has the tier within the tier if you will he has kind of boosted himself into that into that stratosphere let's go to the Clippers for a minute one just personally speaking I'm glad the Clippers are eliminated I thought they have been the most annoying team all year. Acting like that they, acting one like they won, which they haven't, you know, doing the on-off switch thing. And then in the bubble, obviously, they already lacked chemistry to begin with because loads were being managed all year. Paul George was coming off of double shoulder surgery. 
Kawhi Leonard was obvi- is obviously managing his debilitating leg injury. Um, or maybe debilitating is the wrong word, but it's a chronic leg injury that he has been dealing with that he needs rest for. And you could kind of tell in Game 7 that he didn't look from Game 1 of this series to Game 7, and you can tell that Kawhi did not have the same burst, the same pop. He was not getting by defenders as easily. And Denver would just stay home on his fadeaways and his pat and his all of his pet shots that he likes to methodically craft out and getting to his spots. And you could just tell something was off, but Paul George stinking up the joint. Patrick Beverly talking all this junk all playoffs all year. And look, I'm all for players talking junk. I'm not as a San Diego Padres fan and seeing how they have pissed off everybody with their trash talking and just having fun I'm with it but you know that part of the game is there's consequences with for talking trash and Patrick Beverly has is an irritant and he has gotten under people's skin and he was talking a lot of junk and he fouls a lot and I also have come to realize well not come to realize but I've always kind of thought he was a little overrated I think his overratedness was overrated like people caught on that he's not as good of a defender as people think and people just started hammering that point home. You know how it is on Twitter. Everybody sees one point, one valid point from a smart person, and then everybody parrots it and tries to act like it's their own thought. That was hammered home a lot. So I thought he. So that's why I say, in a very simple way, that his overratedness was overrated. But he is a little bit overrated, and he fouls a lot. And he, and he was in foul trouble for a lot of this series. Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams were like minus a thousand points in this series as well. And Doc Rivers, I think, coached an awful game. Mike Mike Malone coached circles around Doc Rivers, leaving Lou Will and Trez in when they were just terrible defensively and the Nuggets were just hunting them every single time they were out on the court. You know, not switching early enough, not trying to get one of Paul George or Kawhi to guard Jokic sometimes. Zubac can't play more than 30 minutes without being gassed, and he's your best Jokic option, but he can't really guard Jokic either, and he's getting in foul trouble. It was just all around, it was a bad series for Doc. And I think one of the other issues, and I this point's been made a few times already, but the Clippers really just don't have that above average playmaker at guard I'm not talking about getting an above average player or an above average or a star or whatever I'm just talking about someone who's a guard who is just really sound or above average at making decisions and setting up the offense someone like Rondo funny enough who has had a resurgence or had a resurgence in the last series um with the Lakers Somebody like that to set up the table for Paul George and Kawhi and Lou Will. Because while they have a lot of talent, the talent there in terms of playmaking is really subpar. And Kawhi, while he's while he made strides this year as a playmaker, is still hit or miss. Like you can't really count on him to elevate his teammates passing-wise. It's It was still very erratic. And... When he started losing his burst and his pop as the series went on, you could just tell that the reads were the wi- the windows for the windows to make the pass or make the read were closing a bit faster because he just wasn't as explosive making his moves. 
the Clippers really just didn't have somebody to set the tables. And then you end up playing Reggie Jackson randomly in the second half in these last two games. Um, you have to rely on what Lou will to set up the offense, but Lou will's a pick and roll scorer. He's not really a facilitator. He won six man of the year a lot for a reason because of his scoring. Do I think the Clippers should blow it up? I don't. I think obviously, well, Kawhi and PG have one year left on their contract now going into next year, or this next season is the last year on their deals. So you don't want, you obviously don't want to blow it up or you could, or you could, you could trade Paul George, but do you, I, I don't think you should blow it up. I think you should run it back. And I think the Clippers should be smarter in trying to load manage their stars. You have to find strings of games where you could just get your team together and have them get reps together. That's just one of the basic things. This goes beyond analytics and numbers and all that. You just have to play together and get chemistry and, you know, trust that your guy is going to be there on the rotation behind you. Trust the extra pass. You, you know, all those cliches that are said all the time, but they're cliches because they're true. And you could just see it with the Clippers. And don't get me started with Paul George. As a long time member of the Paul George fan club as I was saying on Twitter today I'm turning in my Paul George membership card (laughs) I'm going to the return line and you know that joke was kind of uh it was inspired by a noted Boston Celtics writer a really good basketball writer in general that I follow on Twitter who was also a longtime Paul George fan, and he said he was going to turn in his Paul George membership card after PG was flopping in a few games in the previous series against the Portland Trailblazers. Well, I'm now turning in my Paul George fan. I'm turning in my Paul George fan club membership card. There's just too many times now, and his playoff performances have been absolute dog shit since his days in Indiana. He was really good in Indiana in the playoffs. Then obviously the leg injury happens, but ever since Indiana, his performances in the playoffs, he shrinks in elimination games, and then he comes off as really salty all the time after he loses, you know, calling Dame Lillard shot a bad shot, and then saying just some weird stuff. Like after when they were eliminated in the first round series against Utah a few years back when Mello was on the team. And when Melo was on the team and Paul George basically said that he didn't feel like it was a championship or bust mentality when everybody else, especially Russell Westbrook, thought that they were going to compete for a championship, even if everybody on the outside thought they weren't going to win the championship. You can't really say that around players who have the goal of winning a championship. And then tonight he says the same thing. I'm pulling up the quote right here. I think internally... We always felt this was not a championship or bust year for us. What? Everybody in the Clippers organization, publicly, sourced reporting that I've read from, you know, places like The Athletic and ESPN, because, you know, everybody is on the L.A. Clippers beat. Everybody knew that this team had championship expectations. And you mean to tell me that Paul George thought internally he always felt like we first of all when other players have said their goal was to win a championship Pat Bev talked about how Pat Bev allegedly 
told Steph Curry that he was going to rule the league for the next five years because they got PG and Kawhi. Everybody knew as soon as the Clippers traded for PG that it was high championship expectations. So I don't know if Paul George is just trying to cope with the fact that he had another just awful doo-doo series or if he really means it. But either way, I'm turning in my fan club membership card. He's not a top he's not a top 10 to 15 player. Also Kawhi Leonard is not in the top 3 or 4 in the NBA. I would still I would still take Kevin Durant, a healthy Kevin Durant, even a even a post Achilles surgery Kevin Durant because I think his game is just going to age so well anyway. I would take LeBron, I would take Steph. Yes, I would still take Steph. And it's just incredible to me that Steph gets hurt for a year and everybody just forgets and then you, about how good Steph is. And then you bring up Steph and where he ranks among the top players in the league and people just scoff at you when you still have him high. Like, uh, he's the second greatest point guard of all time, a three-time champion, back-to-back MVPs. Do we all, all of a sudden just say, forget about that guy? Like, why isn't he, why doesn't he have a case to still be in the top 10? Just because he got hurt this past year? I'm certainly not taking Kawhi over Steph. Kawhi had an incredible playoff run last year. And he had an incredible playoff run with the Spurs in 2014. But at least with the LeBron debate and the whole best player in the league thing, I think we can put that to bed. Because we forget last year in last year's playoffs, everybody and their mother, including me, was saying that Kevin Durant was the best player in the world. He was playing like it in the playoffs. And then the calf injury happened in the Houston series. And everybody just automatically shifted to Kawhi. And then it was pretty much over after Durant tore his Achilles. But we were anointing Kevin Durant as the best player in the league. Before Kawhi. And now I'm also wondering... Do we really just underrate Toronto as a team? Because everybody's like, oh, Kawhi carried them, Kawhi carried them. And yeah, Kawhi hit that incredible shot, and he was incredible in Game 3 against the Bucks uh, last in last year's Eastern Conference Finals. But do we really underrate how good Toronto was as a team, as a whole? And I'm not saying... I wouldn't take Kawhi at all, obviously. I hope I did not come across like that. Kawhi is a championship-caliber franchise player, superstar that you build around. Just in terms of the tippy-top rankings, he slides back. He had a very poor game. He had a very poor game seven. He had a very poor second half in game six. And when you're a superstar, that comes with it. And I know people are trying to give him a pass. And I would give him a little bit of a pass if I were to give out passes to him compared to the other Clippers. Because at least he was trying out there and didn't give up like his other teammates did. And at least he was like, hey, I'm going to shoot all I'm gonna shoot a lot and empty the chamber. But he still played bad. So I don't know what the Clippers do from here. Do they fire Doc Rivers? What does Balmer do? Kawhi does have an opt-out in his contract, I believe. He could opt-out and be a free agent right now. What do the Clippers do? 
Either way, this was an embarrassing, embarrassing playoff exit for the Clippers. And probably after this podcast, I'm before I go to bed, I'm probably going to read Kevin O'Connor's ringer piece on the Clippers and his reaction to the game tonight, or I guess technically last night. I didn't I didn't read the whole thing. I only read the first sentence because I was at, I was working and I didn't want to be distracted. But the first se- the first word was already frauds. So it's like, wow, <laughs> Kevin's just not letting anybody in easy on this one. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to reading that, but I mean, he has a point just from based off that one word I read from the first sentence in that article, which I will finish. But frauds and they kind of were Paul George was kind of fraudulent in these playoffs again and look the Clippers are still a really talented team they were up in game five by a lot for a reason it's just that Hopefully it's a wake-up call for them that you can't just walk around acting like you've won it when you haven't. Kawhi's the only guy who can act like that. And then also hoping that you could get away with starting Marcus Morris, who takes every Kobe shot known to man. And even he was kind of tentative in this game. That was the other thing, too. The body language of the Clippers, it kind of just looked like they were scared. Like, I hate to be the body language, Bill Simmons body language doctor guy, but you could just tell they were tentative. As soon as Denver started to pull away, you could tell their, you could tell that their spirit just left their body. Doc Rivers was kept trying to implore his guys on the sideline. I've never seen Doc Rivers clap more in a game than I did, you know, last night. And there you have it. That's all she wrote. But um, it was a great series. I'm really looking forward to the rest of these playoffs, obviously. The Boston-Miami series, that has the potential to be way more fun than the Boston Raptors series. And that series alone was one of my favorite series of all time. But I just wanted to record a quick half an hour. We're about at the half hour mark. Uh, I'm looking at my laptop right now. But we're about at the half hour mark. And I really don't have anything else to add other than... Jokic is amazing. The Nuggets deserve all the credit in the world. And the Clippers absolutely deserve all the jokes on Twitter, which have been hilarious. I'm pretty sure NBA Twitter might implode. I haven't seen this much slander since, what, the 2016 NBA Finals? Or, you know, even early NBA Twitter days when I had my old, when I, uh, had my old Twitter account before I went on a hiatus. Um, the whole, you know, trapping DeAndre Jordan in in a house in a, in his house in Texas, that kind of blew up also on Twitter. The Clippers deserve every bit of it, and they were favorites this year. I picked them to win the championship this year, so I'm not sitting here acting like I was. I'm not sitting here taking a victory lap or acting like I was right about something. I picked the Clippers to win it all this year. And I picked uh, on the Locked On Cavs podcast I was on with Evan Damarell. I picked, I went chalk. I picked uh, the Clippers and the Bucks. Yeah, that worked out. Uh, so anyway, Lakers Nuggets, it should be a fun one. Um, I'm going with, 
I hate to do this, but I I do I do think this is where the road kind of stops for Denver. I think the Lakers are going to win in 5. I just trust LeBron too much. And he was the what he's the him and Kawhi were the two people I trusted the most heading into these playoffs. And LeBron is the second greatest, arguably the greatest player of all time, and I will take that every day. If I had one game to save my life, I would take LeBron. And I'm pretty sure if the Lakers had a 3-1 lead, the Nuggets would not be coming back. Even though apparently, if the Nuggets go down 3-1 in a playoff series, that's a death sentence for the team that's actually winning the series. But I really do think this is where the buck stops for the Nuggets. And it's been a great run for the Nuggets. I think it's going to be a fun offensive series. I'm really looking forward to the Anthony davis Nikola Jokic matchup. Don't really want to talk about the Clippers anymore because, honestly, they were annoying. I didn't really like how they carried themselves this year. Their antics in the bubble really made, really made me sour on them. So I don't want to talk about them. The Nuggets deserve every bit of success that they're getting. It's dope that Michael Malone won a Game 7 for a bid in the Western Conference Finals on his birthday, even though it's unique circumstances. They wouldn't even be playing a game at this point in August, you know, but, you know, the pandemic happens. But it's, it should be fun. And the rest of the – it it is in the realm of possibility that, at least now, that there could be a Heat Nuggets Finals and then everybody just starts making conspiracy jokes about Adam Silver setting – setting it up for the other way around to happen. But um, that's all I've got today. Um, I want to talk about the Celtics Heat series more as that series develops, so look for a mini episode on that. Um, wanted to keep this one about a half hour, so thank you guys for listening. I will be dropping more. I will be dropping more pods, especially now that I got this new makeshift studio working. And yeah, next time I'm going to be talking about the uh, Celtics heat and don't worry, I'm going to give my thoughts on the 76ers. That was kind of a rough one. It was a quick and painless first round series sweep, but it was also a maddening sweep. Just knowing what the future holds for this team, which is pretty, pretty crappy. So I'll talk about them later. I'll do I'll probably do like a exit interview type thing for all the teams that are eliminated after the playoffs are over, but next pod probably going to be talking about Celtics Heat. Thank you for listening. This is the Sly Hooper podcast. Like and subscribe. Subscribe to my YouTube page also and also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Sly Hooper X. All right. See you guys later. <laughs>